Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories edition. In all of the installments of Pitbull Stories, I have special guests who share their stories of what it was like to um, acquire a Pitbull type dog, to live with a Pitbull type dog, and kind of share their experience of how they worked through some of those stigmas and how they advocate for the breed now. I've been the proud owner of two blocky headed dogs and our current blocky headed dog, Waylon, is an American Staffordshire Terrier, and I know what it feels like to experience some of the stigmas that the world wants to throw at you, and my intention with this series is to reassure all of you amazing blocky-headed owners that our beloved pit bulls are amazing, and we can play a huge role in advocating for the breed. So please enjoy these episodes, and if you'd like to be a guest on Pitbull Stories, please send me a DM over on the Instagram at a feeling underscore NCO. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories edition. So I have a fantastic guest with me tonight. Um, and I invited her to be on the podcast, not because she has a Pitbull, because she has a breed of dog that very often gets mistaken as a Pitbull. And she experiences the very same things that all of us lovely Pitbull people do. So um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes, I'm Jill, and I have a six-year-old Kane Corso, um, and she is a purebred dog, but she is forever mistaken as a pit bull, pit bull mix, Rottweiler, you name the blocky-headed dog, and she's been called it. <laughs> okay, so I want to hear more about her story. So is she your first Corso, or have you had them before her? No, she is my first one. And um, when I was thinking about getting a dog, I knew that I wanted a puppy. And um, my first choice was actually German Shepherds, which <laughs> I'm actually glad I didn't get one. Now, since I've worked with dogs and I've worked with a lot of German Shepherds, it would not have fit my lifestyle. <laughs> so good for me for that. Yes. And uh, somebody mentioned this breed of dog to me. And so I started doing a bunch of research and I was like, that is the breed of dog that I want. And so then I started my, my quest to find a good breeder. And um, we landed in one in Northern California. And um, I had hours long conversations with them because they were great breeders because this breed of dog is huge, powerful, standoffish, protective, all those things. And they want to make sure that they're placed with the right people. Um, and eventually after like probably eight hours of on the phone conversation, they invited me to, to just see the puppies, not even as an okay. And then we clicked really well and they knew that I would give her a great home. So we set the date and I brought her home like two weeks later. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Seriously. I just want to stand up on a rooftop and scream and cheer for those breeders. Like, yes. thank you. Thank <laughs> you for being amazing. And I yeah. think that there's something really sacred about like the breeds we choose, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I just, I commend breeders so much who take on a breed and they don't take it lightly and they understand yeah. The, the propensities, they understand the personalities, the different types, and they're so yeah. careful to not place the dog somewhere where it won't be successful. So that is so freaking cool because it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of times we hear about like the backyard breeders and the puppy mills who are just yeah. like ruining the world. But then yeah. oh, 
So that's so cool. So, um, yeah. so did you get to pick her specifically or did they have you, or did they like give like choose puppies per personality? Like tell us so, more about that. Yeah. So I was actually like the first person on their list. And so I told them, you know, I knew that I kind of wanted a female. And so they were like, okay, we can probably do that. And I knew that I wanted not a super high driven sporting dog because they are, I mean, if you know anything about the breed, they can be extremely intense and she still is. And she's like relatively calm. (laughs) Um, And so how we kind of did it was I just went and I spent like two hours with them and sat down and the breeder was there and Silver, who's my dog, she actually just, all of them were super crazy. And she just like climbed into my lap and fell asleep in it, like amongst all of the chaos. And they were like, that's definitely the one for you. And they named her Sweet Pea because she was just like such a sweet, loving little puppy. And so we kind of both decided that that would be a good fit for, for what I was looking for. So, oh my God, I love that Silver chose you. Yeah, it was super cute. (laughs) like her brothers and sisters were like chewing my hair and like pulling my shoelaces and just like rough and tumble and super crazy and she is my first dog and I mean it's a huge dog and so I was like I would want one with more of like a calmer temperament if possible and so it worked out I mean we definitely went through reactivity issues she is still very strong but um, I think she ended up right where she needed to be. <laughs> My God, that's so cool. Okay. So um, I want to hear, so um, I know you're, you're in the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did you always have her there? Or were you in California first? That's just where the breeder was. Yeah. So I was actually traveling when I got her. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get a dog. So I had been traveling for a few months. And so I knew at that time, I mean, I had the money and I had the time I was going to be with her 24 seven. And I mean, you know, as a trainer, those, that first year is huge for developing social skills, you know, the basic training, all of that. And so I, I traveled with her until she was about six months old. And then we decided to move to Portland and I had to like lie, (laughs) lie about, about her because at six months old, she was 60 pounds. And I was like, she's not going to get any bigger. (laughs) Oh my God. So for everyone listening, what is she weighing at these days? She's 110 pounds right Mm -hmm. now. Right around, and that's common for the breed, right? That like females are in the the one one thirty range, right? So, uh, females are between like a hundred and a hundred and ten, typically. The like sporting, yeah, the sporting dogs, the ones that are really fit that do all of your like shuts hound and those kinds of bite work sports, they tend to be a little bit leaner, so they'll be like ninety five, and then the males can get up to one thirty. They're huge. (laughs) God, right. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot of dog. That's a lot of dog. Okay. So, um, it sounds like you had a really good relationship with the breeder. Did they help you, um, kind of understand and view her as the individual she was, instead of being worried about like, I have this giant dog, I'm going to have to like, yeah. Tell us more about like what that dynamic was like for you as like a new dog owner. Like, okay, I love this little soul, but I know she's going to get giant. Like how did that affect how you interacted with her? Yeah. I mean, I just took it (laughs) the first night I actually had her home. I had like a tiny panic attack because 
she she was like sitting in my bed and she pooped and peed all over it and I was like oh my god I have like an infant what am I doing (laughs) should I just give her back (laughs) like I'm in like way over my head and so like I actually for the first like seven months of her life I was in contact with the breeder regularly a couple of times a month just kind of checking in um we went and visited as she was growing up a few times to just you know how's her progress doing and they can be really stubborn dogs but she was surprisingly quick to pick up on things and I mean they really prepared me um almost a little bit like kind of scared me a little bit because they really drove in the like into my head, like, this is going to be a huge dog. So just be ready for that. (laughs) Um, But they were always there for any questions that I had, any sort of, you know, concern that I had. They were always just a phone call away, which was super great. And if you're going to go to a breeder, make sure that they're there for you. (laughs) It's seriously a lifeline. And I think that there's, there's, there's so much stigma around breeders and all of that. And like, I actually had, um, Waylon's breeder on the podcast and, you know, Mm -hmm. people were pretty pissed at me because, you know, they think that we can only rescue pit bulls. I love these people. I love you guys. I totally understand your frustration, but I think what people miss is that when you purchase a dog from a responsible breeder, you're getting that support and that lifeline. Yeah. And they know the breed. Right. And like, it's like, right. Like, being able to call in those moments of like, yeah. oh my God, what do I do? And knowing that they understand your dog. They know yeah. the dog, they know the breed. Yeah. That's such a beautiful relationship. And they know, they know the genetics of your dog. I mean, if you go to a responsible breeder, they do all of the genetic testing. They do all of the health testing. They, I mean, their breed, their dogs that they breed are family members to them. So they really know. And these puppies are also family to them, you know, and they forever will if there's any problem, we'll take a dog back. And that's what you look for, for that. And I mean, I understand too, a lot of people, you know, you have to adopt, you have to adopt. But the other thing that breeders do is that they keep lines of dogs, like ancient breeds, like silver is an ancient breed. I mean, their breed almost died out in the 19, like eighties, I think it was. And then a guy who just loved the breed was like, I'm bringing it back. (laughs) And so that's really important too, you know, to, to kind of have that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I love so much what you said about them being their family members. Right. And like, you know, I I've done several podcast episodes about, you know, responsibly buying dogs. And like, that's a huge thing I talk about. Ask the breeder what they're doing with their dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Your breeder had family pets and that's what you wanted. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them show their dogs. So they know what the standards of what the breed is supposed to be, which is huge. And I mean, I'm not, when I look for a breeder, I know a lot of people look for like, dogs who have all these titles and stuff I don't necessarily think that that's always super important as long as they're health tested they're genetic tested they're doing what's right there shouldn't be a problem with it (laughs) okay so in silver's adolescence were you doing like any formal training did you do group classes with her like and, and I think that this is really important because I think that while all dogs are are dogs we cannot get rid of the reality of a dog who is going to be as big as her. 
right? Like yeah. there are more pressing matters, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't have the luxury of like, she can be bad on the leash. You don't really have that luxury, yeah. right? Because can, the- I mean, she can pull me down if she was really wanted to. She has too when she was younger, you know, with just chasing things, cats and stuff like that. I didn't do any formal training with her. And I will tell you, I definitely will with the next one that I get. <laughs> I did a lot of just like finding positive reinforcement trainers, finding books to kind of, you know, watch videos. Um, I even with your videos too, I still, you know, look back and I'm like, okay, how can I work through something? And um, that whole thing. And when she was super reactive, I should have probably gone to a trainer who specialized in reactivity, but I was broke. I was young. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it was all kind of just like, okay, I need to figure this out. And it took years and it's still, I mean, still we work on it. She's 1000 times better. I wish, <laughs> I wish you guys could see, like, it was to the point when she was like a year and a half old, which is about the time when you'll start seeing that reactivity really Social come maturity. Up. Oh yeah. 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 She was like, so protective of me and my boyfriend. She would like lunge at people on the leash. And so it was literally your normal 45 minute walk would be like two and a half hours because anytime a person came by, it's like, okay, we're going to sit or we're going to walk across the street and we're going to sit and we're going to like shove treats in your face. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll walk five more feet until there's another person. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I want to hear some of those early experiences as far as uh, like how people were reacting to like her having a hard time because like, dude, like everyone listening, if you have a pit bull, imagine that dog being double the size, right? Like, yeah, that that is not only a lot to handle, but I'm sure there was a lot of looks of judgment. Oh yeah. I mean, people still, she's not reactive towards people anymore as we're walking, as long as people don't get into her face. But when it was really bad, I mean, people is like looks of horror, (laughs) like just like jaw dropped, like almost like running away because it's like I would be afraid if there was a hundred pound dog that was lunging at me too (laughs) and I mean we still we still get people who and she doesn't react to you know they're walking their dog and they there's a huge wide berth around us (laughs) but then again you have the people here because in Portland it's very dog friendly who want like you know lucky who's 12.5 pounds to run up and say hi (laughs) I'm like no no (laughs) because she also we dealt with dog reactivity too like she (laughs) I think she was ruined from it because of a doggy daycare I can't like confirm it but pretty sure it's what happened um but I mean she developed aggression towards female dogs she wanted to like kill dogs kill female dogs if she was given the chance and that was a a whole nother journey (laughs) right oh my god yeah that's a lot to deal with right and like I think that obviously any dog who we know can act aggressively in certain situations is a lot but when you have a dog who is that big it just puts bigger like limitations and yes stakes are higher I mean it's like a huge responsibility I mean it was I I mean, it's scary because my dog could literally kill a person like very easily. 
And I mean, a lot of dogs can, but when you have a dog that is the size of some humans, <laughs> it does, it makes the stakes way higher because on top of her being a blocky headed dog, if she were to bite or injure another animal or a person, it would for sure be my fault. And, you know, you as an owner have to then set your dog up for success. And so when she started showing reactivity towards female dogs, we stopped doing anything off leash. We stopped, I mean, I didn't let her see even dogs that she was friends with for a while because it was just like, we need to like reset and figure out what we're going to do from here <laughs> kind of thing. And I mean, I bought her a muzzle. She's muzzle trained. I have vests for her that say like, do not pet big red vests <laughs> that we sometimes still wear just because if we go into a situation where I know there's going to be a lot of people or possibly dogs, there's that when you have a reactive dog, there's always kind of that possibility that there will be that trigger. Yeah. And when you have a dog as big as mine or any dog for that matter, <laughs> you have to have, you have to be responsible. There's just no, there's no other way about it. If yeah. you are not, you shouldn't have a dog. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious to hear like, because I know that Portland is like super dog friendly. I'm curious to hear like what the reaction from the community is, right? Like when they see you like creating space or when she does have a reaction, like what has been the response from like the people in your community? Yeah, it's like 50-50, I would say. I mean, there are some people that, you know, you meet and they totally get it, you know? And so I've met people who are like, it's okay. My dog is the same way. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, another one of us. <laughs> and then there are times where it's like, I've had people be like, I'm walking my dog through a park and she's totally leashed. And there are leash laws here in Portland. And your dog comes running up to my dog and, you know, I'm giving her commands to not react while your dog is literally trying to bite her in the face. And then it takes you 10 minutes to get your dog. And I yell at you <laughs> and they're shocked. They're like, well, why is your dog in a park? Because parks are for everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, just because I have a reactive dog and a huge dog doesn't mean that we're not allowed to go to a park, put your dog on a leash. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the conversation of like packages of dogs, right. And like, there's so many parallels to this and like the racism that exists in our world. And I don't know if we need to go down that rabbit hole, but like the reality that like, if you had a golden retriever, mm -hmm. you, the stakes wouldn't be as high. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, people's reaction, people wouldn't think twice, but I think the fact mm -hmm. that Silver is not only blocky, right? And obviously a Corso, but I think the fact that her black coloring too, yep. like it just makes it more intimidating and people oh, yeah. don't understand. And unfortunately that makes you more susceptible oh, yeah. to potentially dangerous situations. Oh yeah. And I mean, there are times now, like, cause I live in a very hip happening part of Portland and there's parks all over the place and I won't go to certain parks at certain times of the day because I'm like I've seen at these like you know non-fenced dog parks and other dog parks you're walking by and it's like well there's like one dog being chased by 10 dogs 
trying to like run away. And it's like, none of these owners have control of their dogs. And if one runs up to my leash dog and she bites or seriously injures, I'm still going to get blamed, even though I'm following the rules. (laughs) And it is, I mean, there's a huge stigma about a blocky headed black dog that they're bad and they're scary. And if something happens, it's their fault because, you know, they're the scary dog. And it's just like, I've seen golden retrievers do more damage than my dog has ever done. (laughs) Right. And that's why I feel like these conversations are so freaking important. That's why I'm so glad to have you is because you know, obviously, you know, pit bulls is, is all encompassing. It's not just yeah. one, one breed, right? right. It's blocky had a dog that yep. has suffered stigma unnecessarily. Yeah. Right. Um, so I want to talk just a little bit about some of the behaviors that she does that like, otherwise probably would be like taken out of context, but I feel like, and, and you can kind of educate me on this because I'm not super familiar with Corsos, but you know, I feel like some of the breed propensities and like behavior traits are pretty normal. Like, isn't it normal for them to like bond with a person and be protective? Like, tell us more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So their breed is very, um, they're aloof to people that they don't know. Their family unit is their family unit for pretty much ever. And I mean, if you go look at rescues for, uh, Connie Corsos, which there are only a few, pretty much every dog that you find on there, unless it's a puppy is going to be like, there's no other dogs, no males, you know, low traffic home, because these dogs bond so incredibly with their like person, it like ruins them if something happens. And I'm actually like, surprisingly enough, I'm not even her favorite person. My boyfriend is like her person. (laughs) Which just like kind of makes me mad because it's like, I feed you, I walk you, I train you. but that's okay. I mean, she still loves me, but yeah. And I mean, like, they're not dog, they're not doggy daycare dogs. They're not dog park dogs. If you want one, you're not getting a floppy lab or a floppy golden retriever. I also, I know a lot of breeders suggest to not even have young kids, kids in the home, if you're going to get a puppy, because they will become so protective. I mean, they're just, they're guard dogs. That's what they were inherently bred for and hunting dogs. They're not your typical family friendly dog at all. And like, I wish more breeders would make that a point because this breed of dog is becoming so much more popular over the past few years. And like, I have to like warn people when they come into my house, I'm like, okay, my dog is going to bark at you. She's going to run up to you. She's not going to bite you, but like, just be prepared and then hand them a bunch of treats and be like, just give her a bunch of treats because I mean, she's protecting the home. It's just in her genetics to do that. And so many more people want this breed of dog because they're cool looking. They are They're Oh my God. She is magnificent. Yeah. They're huge and shiny coats and just really cool looking dogs, but they're not they're not just hand them out to whoever <laughs> kind of dogs. Right. And I think that that's so important, right? And like understanding the individual breed and like that yeah. behavior isn't out of the ordinary, right? We aren't blowing right. anything out of proportion here. That's, no. that's what you're getting, right? Yeah. If you read anything about the breed, anything at all on the internet, it's going to tell you like they're, you know, 
they pick a person that is their person and it will be their person. They're extremely protective. Um, they don't typically get along well with other dogs. I mean, she has dog friends that she likes. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's not just, you know, locked up in the house all day because she can't, you know, be around other dogs, but I would never bring her to a dog park again. I would never, if we're on a trail that I know has other people on it, she would never be let off leash. Um, just because they're not, they're not exactly super friendly dogs. <laughs> right? Again, it's expected because, and also being an ancient breed, being a, a old breed, it's in there. It's so in their genetics that that's what you get. You know, right. like there's not a huge variation. Like you're not going to get yeah. the unicorn no. kind of corso that just is like a golden retriever in this blocky no. package. That's not what you get. And I'm so glad that you're sharing this, right? Because I think it's really important because I think so much behavior gets blown out of proportion. Oh yeah. When it's in a blocky headed package. Yeah. Right. But when we look at her lineage, right. Mm -hmm. And we know what to expect you're not surprised, right? You're not upset no. at her for not being successful at a dog park, right? Like, no, you and knew that. Oh, yeah. And like, when she was younger and a puppy, we did dog parks and she did great when she was, you know, before probably two years old. And I worked at doggy daycares for five years. She went to doggy daycares from the time she was seven months old until she was about two and a half, three, because that's about when her... I don't really like other dogs started showing. And so, and I knew it was coming. I knew that it was going to happen. She hit that. I'm not a puppy anymore. Now I'm a, I'm a big dog <laughs> and something just kind of, it flipped. And so we just stopped it all together and I don't care. <laughs> so I don't like dog parks. <laughs> right, right. And also just for everybody out there, even if you don't have a dog that has genetics, that you know their guard dogs or standoffish or whatever it might be your dog doesn't have to like other dogs for it to have a successful life <laughs> yeah and I think that's hard right because yeah. I think that there is this like fictitious image right that we all subconsciously take on yeah. right that, like the definition of a, a good dog is a dog who can go anywhere do anything oh. and just be fine yeah and that is a robot right like that's not a living breathing emotional yeah <laughs> and, and i'm so glad you said that so everyone listening if you have a dog who doesn't care for the company of every other dog welcome to the fine. club yeah right? you're, you're not alone right totally that's fine. Dogs. and your dog can have a very fulfilling awesome super fun life without interacting with other dogs and maybe it's not interacting with no dogs ever maybe they have like three friends that they like that they get to see once a week totally fine your dog doesn't have to be at a dog park for two hours every day <laughs> I, I promise <laughs> and, and I love that you acknowledge who Silver is and you set her yeah. up and put her in situations that she can be successful oh, right yeah. and I think that you know, it's important for everyone listening to understand that like, it's really normal for dogs once they hit that social maturity. So we're talking like a year and a half to like the three and a half age range. It's very normal for their preferences and their ability to exist with lots of different dogs to yep. greatly lower, right? Like yep. that's completely normal. Yes. And I love that she's got her doggy friends, you know, she can be successful and that's what you encourage and promote, not expect yeah. her to do something she can't be successful at. Yeah, totally. Totally. And like, my friend actually just got a, pu a new puppy and um, Silver 
tends to not really like puppies just because puppies are a lot. I don't really blame her, but it was a male. And so I was like, I mean, we can try it. (laughs) And she ended up having like, I mean, I set her up for success. You know, we went with leashes, you know, we walked them together. We, you know, did circle butt sniffs and that was it the first time. And she did great. And it got to the point where now, I mean, they can play off leash and she's totally fine. So again, if your dog, you know, is reactive and you've worked on it and stuff, don't, as long as you try and set them up for success when you're meeting a new dog and you do it in the right way, your dog can still have doggy friends. (laughs) Just don't throw them into a situation with random dogs that you don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, recipe for failure. Okay, so I want to hear just a little bit more about the muzzle training because- Um, I, I, I want to hear about like how you felt like emotionally, like, did it feel hard to like, know that people were going to see her and see the muzzle and not understand? Honestly, I don't, I don't care. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I really don't fucking care what people think. Um, if it's going to keep my dog safe, the thing about a muzzle that a lot of people don't understand is that like, it's protecting my dog and it's protecting you and your dog. Like it's not, and it's not like, she's never even like injured a dog before, but like, it's still important to have that tool. I think, especially if you're going to like be in a situation that's super overly crowded, overstimulating, because when you have a dog who could potentially react, I mean, you don't know what they're going to do, but yeah, I mean, I didn't care when I got a muzzle. I was like, if people are afraid of her, good walk on the other side of the street then. (laughs) God, I love that so much. I hope that everyone listening can summon some of that, like no yeah. fuck given about what other people think, because it's, Seriously. dude, it, I think that that's a huge, huge, like hang up for so yeah. many of us is like being so bogged down by what other people think when in oh, all yeah. reality, it doesn't matter. Your our dogs don't fucking care. No, <laughs> right? Like she doesn't, she doesn't care either. Like it's not hurting her in any way. So why should it hurt your feelings? <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. So I, I want to hear about, um, so before we started recording, you guys, she was telling me about like, you know, people who think that she's a pit bull and all this stuff, like, yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> so tell us more about that. Like people like see her and they just automatically think, oh, there's this giant dog with a big head. She must be a pit bull. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been like, well, I mean, we talked about it. She's very like majestic looking. And so she does, if we're, you know, walking in a park or something, she gets lots of looks. And I've had people, you know, walk by me and just be like, wow, this is the coolest looking pit bull mix I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, she's not a pit bull mix, but thank you. <laughs> and I've also had, I had a lady who, I mean, she was like, would have stood there for 15 minutes arguing with me about it like I don't know (laughs) like I don't know my own dog and it came to the point where I was like listen like we're just gonna agree to disagree (laughs) about this topic and I'm just gonna continue my walk and I mean I've had uh Rottweiler, Pitbull, uh any other blocky dog probably that you could think of (laughs) she's been mistaken for and uh but as of recently, which again, we'll, I'll touch on it's because the breed is becoming more popular. I had a guy the other day stop me on the street and was like, oh, is that a Cane Corso? I was like, oh my goodness, you know, your breeds of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, good job. 
is. And he was like, he's beautiful. And I'm like, well, she's a she, but that's okay too. God. Yeah. yeah so. And I feel like, you know, although you're probably getting like some unwanted attention, I'm sure it sets up a situation in which you can help people understand oh, yeah. like about her. And oh, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had people who then on the other side of it, who I tell them, oh no, you know, she's a comic corso. And then they start, you know, they want to, they ask me questions about her and I love talking about my dog. So <laughs> favorite subject, we could talk about her for all day if you want. <laughs> And so, yeah, it does. It opens the door into kind of um, letting people know more about the breed and what they're bred for and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then it always ends up being like, can I pet her? And I'm like, "Mm, no. no. (laughs) And then people will sometimes be like, come on, please, can I pet her? And I'm like, she might bite you. But I mean, if you really want to try and then they'll be like, well, maybe not. And I'm like, yeah. And it's so interesting, right? Just like in interactions with the public, you know, because like we come from a very dog savvy dog community. So it makes it easier, right? Because like our bubble, our circle of people, whether in real life or on the internet, Mm -hmm. you know, they understand it, but I feel like at large people don't. And I guess maybe one advantage is that she is so big that you have a little bit more like umph and helping people understand like she really doesn't want to be your friend you know I think it's easier when you have a dog that big to convince people like no don't (laughs) yeah yeah my favorite I mean you'd be surprised though I mean Portland super dog friendly like too much like just stop Portland (laughs) I mean I've had people where I've been on a patio with her having dinner and she's in a do not pet vest and I've had a lady come up and literally grab her face and kiss her and I'm like mouthful of food like stop like please don't and she's like she's just so gorgeous she looks like my friend's dog and I'm like you can't read can you and you have zero manners like I'm eating dinner right now and thankfully this was, you know, years of training with the human reactivity to where I mean I could trust her on a patio she didn't react thankfully because oh God, lady silver you deserve an award for deserves an award. i mean the lady would have had huge damage to her face if she would have gotten bit and it's like who does that <laughs> any size dog regardless of the size of the dog don't put your face in another dog's a dog that you don't know don't put your face in their face <laughs> Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear from you. If, if, if one of the listeners is interested in a kind of Corso, what would be your advice to them? Um, make sure that you find a really good breeder. If you, uh, don't know any, or you don't know how to find one, please reach out to me because I've done lots of research on breeders because I'm planning on getting another one and I can help connect you with some like really awesome ones. Um, They're not in Portland. I found one in Colorado that I really like, um, one in Washington that I really like, but I can help you find one that's closer to your area. Second would be uh, make sure that you have the time um, because you're going to have a huge dog and they're going to require tons of training. And it's not just like training for your first puppy class and they get their obedience, it's going to be training for their entire lives. 
um, and reach out to like a certified trainer uh, pretty much immediately. I would start as soon as you get home with the training. Um, and I would suggest not having kids uh, just because <laughs> I've seen how kind of courses are with kids and they're very protective. And if you want to have people over, you're probably not going to be able to have your dog out. <laughs> um, and those are probably my main things. And really, really, really think about if you're able to handle a potentially 130 pound dog for 12 years <laughs> that won't really like other people, that won't really like other dogs, that is gonna be super protective. Because if you want to be a dog park person and you want to be doing a lot of really social things with your dog. Not the breed for you. It's not the breed for you. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I appreciate your candor, right? Because it's really important, right? That yeah. we're, we're not misleading people into thinking that like, they're going to be this thing that they're not. Right. Yeah, no, totally. so, right. And, and being real about your lifestyle, right? Like yeah. you have a lot of people in and out of your house. Not for you. Yeah, right? Not for you. And I mean, my dog is super lazy, but when she was younger, she had tons of energy. So that's the other thing. Like they're a working breed dog. Do you have the time for a working breed dog? I mean, they're not as crazy energy as like your Australian shepherds or cattle dogs or anything like that, but they're still a working breed. They have to be exercised. And also they're expensive. Like if your 110 pound dog needs medical treatment, over a hundred pounds, it goes up exponentially. So be prepared for that. I mean, I've spent probably well over 10 grand on her. So just, and she's only six. <laughs> so be prepared. But then, you know, I mean, I think with all of that said, do you want to just share like some of your favorite parts about silver, right? Just oh my gosh. Yeah. Individual? Yeah. She's, I mean, she's super cuddly. And the people that she does know and that she does love, she really, really loves her people. Like, it's a little over the top sometimes where I have to be like, okay, you have to settle down because you're, they don't want to be licked on their face. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're huge <laughs> and drooling and gross. Um, no, she's super loyal. I mean, I... I love her to death. She's just, she's, she is the best dog. And this breed is the breed of dog that I'm going to have forever because I personally just love everything about them, you know, all the good and all the bad. Well, I don't even think it's bad. I shouldn't even say that the like aloofness, the guarding and all of that people would consider it bad, but I don't think it's bad. It's what I look for in a dog. So yeah, she's great. Yeah. And I love that reframe, right? Because yeah. it's not bad, right? No. She's not a bad dog. She's just no. displaying behavior that if right. you're prepared for the breed, yeah. you know, right? It's, yeah. it's not out of the ordinary. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. This has been so much fun. So can you tell the listeners um, how they can connect with you if they want to learn more about you and see Silver Sweet Face? And then if you want to yes. do your, if you want to shout out your business too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you can find us at silver, my sidekick on Instagram. I'm not super active on there, but there is tons of really cute pictures of her and I will always answer any questions or messages you guys have about the breed or anything for that matter. I'm super nice. Um, <laughs> and we also have a, uh, dog treat company, wild Pacific Northwest pets. You can find us also on Instagram there. It's wild PNW pets. We do like all natural, dehydrated, air dried 
dog treats and I try to keep them as affordable as I can. We're pretty competitive on the market. So if you don't want to feed your dog a bunch of like crap from Petco, (laughs) connect with us on there. And if you have questions about that or, you know, appropriate shoes for your dogs, not appropriate shoes for your dogs, I can definitely answer all of those questions for you too. Heck yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I need to order some shoes. I've been eyeing some of those. I just need yeah. to put the trigger on that. Right? Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending your evening with me. This is so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out out on any future episodes. And if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me, you could leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to help more like-minded individuals find us.